Tales from the Tavern was recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. I'm Commander Shepard, and Tales from the Tavern is my favorite stream on Twitch. We are back again this week with another episode of Tales from the Tavern. I hope you all are doing really, really well. Um, I have to play this for you guys. Uh, unfortunately, you won't be able to hear it on Discord, but I have to play it for the chat. If you were here last week, you remember who our special guest was, and I got a behind-the-scenes recording from him. So, uh, so uh, here, I just have to play this for everybody in chat real quick. I'm Commander Shepard, and Tales from the Tavern is my favorite stream on Twitch. So we're I'm Commander Shepard. Oh, and sorry, from... I didn't mean to play it again. We're Commander Shepard approved. So there wow. you go. Yep. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, we got a recording of Mark Mir doing the Commander Shepard voice saying that Tales from the Tavern is his favorite stream on Twitch. Um, so awful. that made my entire life and now I can retire. Uh, but that's not what's <laughs> happening here tonight. So... What I would like to do is I'm going to go around, I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves, and then uh, if you are a new viewer to the stream, we'll tell you a little bit about how this works, and then we will get going. So, Anna, let's start with you. Welcome. Hey there. Very happy to be here. Uh, I'm Anna, aka Archival Dust Bunny, most places on the internet, queer and trans advocate, museum worker, and TTRPG streamer, podcaster. Um, if any of that sounds interesting, you find me on Twitter, at Archival Dust Bun. Uh, you can find me streaming all over the place. Uh, Tuesday nights, you can find me on Black Feather Guild playing a 5e uh, Feywild campaign. Um, Sunday nights, I'm on uh, Guild of the Phoenix playing Cyberpunk Red. Um, you can also find me places like Valdrin's Twitch channel, um, Weave the Tale, uh, TPK Roleplay, um, lots of other places like that. Um, and then, of course, my podcast, Response Team Omnicron, which is a Lancer actual play podcast. Uh, following a PR team who unexpectedly finds themselves on the front lines uh, in the No Room for a Wallflower adventure setting. We have roleplay-focused characters, a narrative-first combat, a really uni unique take on the Lancer mechanics. Um, and you can find us anywhere you find uh, your podcast normally. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and hanging out tonight. Uh, I'm excited to get the chance to chat with you. Um, our one time, our, our, our one returning guest that, uh, has been here, uh, multiple times, once or twice, yeah, once or twice, Big Bees, how are you? Uh, I'm great, thanks for asking, uh, yeah, you, that's you, it for me, thanks. You doing Bye. anything big these days? <laughs> uh, hey everyone, Big Bees here, uh, I am doing lots. Um, I'm not gonna go into the craziness because I'll be here for like ten minutes. 
But all I do want to plug real quick. Well, you can you can follow me on Twitter at Big Bees underscore Twitch at Big underscore Bees or uh, Saturdays on RF Chaos for our superhero game, uh, Unremarkables. And uh, starting mid-February, you can catch me on the OneShot Network uh, with a whole bunch of super awesome people doing the uh, Ironetta Reforged bubble series. It's going to be Tuesdays from 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. Eastern. So it's going to be super fun. That's awesome. I know you always have a lot on your plate, so yeah. I'm always I'm excited when it works out pod. to have you on to hang out. <laughs> uh, Adrian, welcome. Tell us a little about yourself. Hi there. My name is Adrian Gibbons. Uh, I am the dungeon master and ringleader of sorts from the podcast Dice Carnival. Uh, we are a very silly group, uh, but we like to tell very intriguing stories. We have two campaigns going right now. A Electroval campaign, which is our sort of main musical adventure noir steampunk. We got really great music for it. We got a lot of awesome collaborative artists who typically don't engage in the TTRPG sphere. And we offer a really unique experience there. We also have a Wild Beyond the Witchlight campaign we produce with another podcast called The Homebrew. And that is also worth checking out if you want to see us kind of see how we take a spin at a 5e module. Because our style is... It's unique, it's very passionate, it's very flavorful, uh, but we we definitely uh, like our shenanigans. Nice. But yeah, that that's me, so go ahead and check us out. You can find us on Twitter, You can there's a link somewhere being dropped in the chat. Yep. You've heard to check us out, and I'm just happy to be here with all these wonderful people. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I, I want to check out your Wild Beyond the Witchlight, but uh, that's currently my home campaign, so... <laughs> So I can't because I don't want to spoil my game, but uh, I will definitely be checking that out at some point in the future. Maybe once I, once once my game is over. But yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you. And uh, Rob, tell us a little about you. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob Mulligan. I'm a uh, uh, I guess a TTRPG person uh, and comedian who uh, you can find me uh, a bunch of links in the uh, chat were just dropped but you can find me at most places uh, at Mural Goblin it's an anagram of my name Rob Mulligan and it felt like a fit um, uh, but I'm uh, best known for being a member of a seven year, six, seven year now uh, long D&D uh, &D 5e game called Adventure Incorporated. We've been running for a while. We're on our second season. The first season lasted five years. You don't need to start from there. If you do, uh, our audio quality is not as good. We are much better now. <laughs> um, but if you want to jump into our new game, um, there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, and it's it's really fun. We got really unique characters. Uh, we have a really deep world uh, with, like, history um, and, like, deep lore and all these things. And uh, we try to do some really cool role-playing moments and have some really, uh, like, entertaining to listen to combat and all the things uh, that people who like D&D podcasts listen to so uh if you could listen to them it would be great that's uh that's my pitch uh for adventure inc and myself i guess awesome and i'm happy to be here yeah i'm happy to have you it's it's always great to have new people on and get to learn all about you and uh ella hello <laughs> hello uh i am ella harper um, i'm known most places as the geeky seamstress um, I'm on Twitter as Sewing Geekiness and Insta as the underscore geeky underscore seamstress. 
Um, I am what it says I am. <laughs> I make everything from tote bags to cosplay. Um, I like to do my own cosplay and I do the rare commission for people. Um, <laughs> uh, I, we um, have a website, the link will be below, but it's uh, geargaming365.com. Um, it's actually my company that I started with a bunch of friends and um, that we do when it's safe. Um, public play events where we teach people how to play the game. Um, we have Dungeons, Dragons, and Drinks that we do locally. We um, team up with local breweries and people can just sit down and play and it's fun. Um, and we have our own game that we're streaming on our YouTube channel uh, at Gear Gaming 365 We've been going through Undermountain for the last couple years. Um, so we're level 12. It's been some crazy adventures and we've had a lot of fun and we are still going. So you can check us out there too. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I have looked at your website numerous times and I'm always like, I, I need to buy that and then I need to buy that and then I need to buy that. <laughs> someday, someday when I have, when I win the lottery, I'll buy all the things, but <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to have all of you here. Um, and. I was, we got into a conversation before the stream started. And so I said, well, I think we'll lead off with this one because it's a nice baseline question to start the evening off. Uh, but uh, what is your favorite snack to bring to your table when you're playing a TTRPG? I always bring molasses cookies. It's my favorite and I have made that the favorite of many of my friends at the table so i love molasses cookies um i'm a big fan of just anything crunchy and spicy i love but like i love takis but like they're not the best food to have at the table because the red dust is everywhere <laughs> but it is still it's still good um but like I, I was telling the story before the stream that like one time I, I was like teaching a bunch of people how to play D and D, and like my friend Mike brought like a a platter of like fruits and cheeses, and oh I was just like, "What is happening? This is <laughs> not. I've never had that happen before." And frankly, it was delightful. So honestly, I I like I, I guess I just like fruit, but it's totally not true. I just want something spicy. <laughs> We used to have an arrangement for like when I had in-person games for a while during COVID when we could like get tested at our university each week where I was the one who always DM'd and I accepted payment in the form of takeout. So everyone would gather together and have a meal before the game started and I'd just be sitting there with my notes and I'd just put in an order of like, oh, you're ordering from here. Nom. But I will say, I did. I do have fond memories of chocolate-coated pretzels, because one time, someone brought chocolate-coated pretzels, I threw it across the room towards someone who dared me to toss it in their mouth, landed right in there. Critted that. <laughs> that, 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 that. <laughs> Man, bad news. I mean, the 100% the, the accurate answer is yes. <laughs> Any food I'm down okay. for. Yeah. Um... But, uh, like, to be a little more specific, when, when, I, when I felt uh, the moment hit me, uh, I was inspired or whatnot, I have a homemade ham dip that I made, and it was amazing, and I would make that. It's just, like, this big old queso dip with a bunch of uh, ham chunks in it, 
and just it's it's just the best dippable thing I've ever had in my life. So I had to learn how to make it, and yeah. So that that obviously would like get destroyed before we started playing because you want to be like, so yeah, no. There's definitely pre-game snacks and during-game oh, yeah. yes. snacks. Like, There's definitely okay, two if it, categories. If it's something that I would eat during the game, it would have to be Sour Patch Kids, 100%. Oh. That's a Sour good choice. Patch. That is a solid choice. That's a good choice, except they cut your mouth up. Yeah. And then and then the last half of the game, you're in misery. Worth it. I do love them, though. <laughs> that's, totally that's... worth it. No, um, that, that, that's why D&D is a gauntlet. You put yourself through that, and if you make it through, you've earned. You've earned that experience at the end of the night. You've earned level three. Yeah. <laughs> and the higher level you are, the more you have to eat. <laughs> the DM doesn't tell you till you're halfway through your bag that tonight's all social intrigue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to be talking all night. Sure, you should have seen. Up. You should have seen when we hit level twenty. That nineteen to twenty, I had to eat a bu- I had to eat a bag of Sour Patch Kids and then wash it down with just lemon juice and salt. So oh, <laughs> you know, oh, I God. earned it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I would say so. Uh, for me, whether it's in person or during breaks on stream, um, frozen Kit Kats, frozen mini Kit Kats, the best uh, best candy snack there is. I feel like when you gotta freeze Kit Kats, like, you have to. I just can't enjoy a warm Kit Kat or a room temperature Kit Kat. No. I've never had a frozen Kit Kat. You should. If you especially ever want to, yeah. especially if they're other flavors, they're really mm. good frozen. I haven't. If you tried ever want to? Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I haven't tried that, but the frozen Charleston shoes, those are good too. Oh, those are good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of ki- different flavored Kit Kats. For Christmas, I got a massive box of random Asian snacks, and uh, one of them were strawberry Kit Kats. I never knew they existed Ooh. until Christmas, and I bit into them, and I was like, "Ooh, this is a little too too strong for me." You know, I like strawberry and I like Kit Kat, but this combination, I'm not too cool with uh, all at once. But another thing I got was uh, these little like cheesecake things, which are just like like the uh, they're like, uh, what are they called? Like Danishes, kind of. And I was like, hmm, time to do some experimenting. And I put one of the Kit Kats on top of that. So help me God, it tastes like cheesecake. Strawberry <laughs> cheesecake. I was like, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> it is amazing. Uh, if you ever want to intimidate your players at the table, uh, just take a Kit Kat, unwrap it, and then just bite it. Don't break it off. Just oh, bite the whole God. thing. Just be like... Like at an You're angle, bad too. guy. Yeah, an angle. Just <laughs> <laughs> my kid. I don't know. Was it a critical play. hit? We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. oh, my uh, kid and I, I actually we... had that discussion the other day. How monstrous that was. <laughs> so, yeah. Chat's going. You don't eat it like that. <laughs> no. I'll do what I want. I'm the DM right now. <laughs> You want me to fudge rolls in your favor? Then look nice right now. Okay. Oh my gosh. Established <laughs> dominance. That's how you do it. Just don't 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 break eye contact. Don't blink the entire time. Like you have to finish oh off three Kit Kat straight like that. 
and that's it. You've established uh, dominance over the whole table. <laughs> Lord. You you have Kit Kat bars that are only threes? No, no, I meant three bags. Ah, oh, okay. Well, that <laughs> like makes a lot more sense. 20 minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks oh, for the clarification. <laughs> you bite one end, you turn it around and bite the other end at an angle. Oh, <laughs> or even like lengthwise. Like from the middle. Oh, oh. <laughs> so it's like one, one barely, chips, one done. barely chipped Kit Kat, right? and then just two ends of a Kit Kat left. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how you can tell somebody's a serial killer, or at least has the, the ability okay, okay, to be Okay, okay, okay. So now we have to put how people eat Kit Kats on like the alignment chart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that's, that's chaotic 100%. evil. Right I was gonna here. say that's chaotic evil right there. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, all right, so we got a, uh, an actual question from chat. Uh, this one comes in from the Ink Den, and the question is, what is your position on DMs fudging dice rolls for narrative reasons? For instance, if the players try and incite someone who turns out to be the BBEG, you don't want to TPK the party, but you want to let them try. Is it wrong to fudge the deception roll? Nope. I don't know if that. I don't know if I would. If they got that right, I don't know if I would give them the information. Like, I'm cool with fudging rolls, but I wouldn't be like, insight check. You know he's the bad guy, and he knows oh, you yeah. know I'm. You're dead. Like, I would never. I would never make that jump in the first place. But like yeah. in general, I'm fine with it. Yeah, it would just be like, hey, you guys, uh, interrogate this random guy. You know, uh, uh Chad McSteventon's, but all of a sudden. He hits one of y'all and you go down, like you black out. And then he laughs maniacally and vanishes. Boom. Like, then they're just like, what the hell was that? That wasn't just a random guy. What the hell happened? Let's not chase him right now because he just knocked, he just knocked our barbarian square to hell out. So let's what figure party, out what's going on here in prep. What party would not chase that immediately? I have never met a party <laughs> that would not feel like, oh, that is some threat. We, it is clearly the marker we must chase. Sure. Like, going towards that goal, but not, like, run out of the room and chase them? If that happens, that's a party that's not that that I hope has plenty of backup characters. Because <laughs> you go after the BBEG, like, immediately at level two? Cool. There's this crazy thing called death that you're going to meet real, real. Quick. <laughs> I... I mean, for, I, like, very rarely run, like, the official modules. Like, I very rarely run that. I, I will run, um, like, the Mines of Fendelver, because it's, like, a great, like, I don't know how to play D&D &D adventure, and I don't want to, like, it. That, that'll run, but, like, beyond that, like, uh, I, it's always good when you are developing a villain to have them have an escape plan. Like, they can do Dimension Door. They figured out that you figured it out. Dimension Door by Level 3 Party. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that they're running in fear. It's just that, like, they... And then they can just be this ominous threat. And, like, as they go through the game, they can, like, you see the repercussions and stuff. And they can, like, figure out more and more. But, like, also follow the dice sometimes the harder choice is more fun for everybody too 
I would say so. First of all, uh, hot dibs to Lost Mine Offend Over. I've been I've I've ran a game like that that's turned into an ongoing Storm King's Thunder Great. campaign. So yeah, it's good. It's a good I, intro. I, we are still using the old villains as like minor side characters that exist in the Forgotten Realms. It is awesome. That's but cool. to go back to the original question, I mean, if a tree falls in the forest and it's not animated, does it really make a sound? <laughs> um, now, not that I would ever be the type of DM who would fudge rolls, but I, I, I personally feel like as the one running the game, as the game master, as a dungeon master, you have that authority to say, well, maybe you don't necessarily have to roll an insight. Maybe if you do want to run a mystery in bit and your players are reading into it more, you can give them incomplete information, you know? Are they lying? You could say, like, they definitely seem nervous. They definitely seem like they're holding something back. That could play to a greater uh, deception. Maybe they seem sympathetic, perhaps. Maybe, you know, as I said, it, it, it's always up to you how you want to take the story. Maybe there is redemption. Maybe there is a chance where they're going to clock you on the head and they're going to be something that they encounter later. Truthfully, though, I, I, I really feel like, you know, if, if you don't always have to, if, if you don't think it's something they need to roll on, you don't have to let them roll on it. Like, you know, lots of lot of ways. Maybe they're just so deceptive that no matter how high they roll, you roll. They're just gonna see that, and you just tell them you don't need to roll. Boom, problem solved. Permit meme. I there's other ways too. You know, I I I rarely DM because anxiety disorder keeps me from keeping track of that much stuff. It's rough. <laughs> Um, I give big props to DMs, but, um, you know, we, I've been in a party where we've pushed too far on what turned out to be the BBEG and we end up imprisoned and have to figure out how to break out or, you sure. know, so it might be a, a mild side thing that, okay, you asked the wrong questions. Now let's see how you figure this out. It's a puzzle. Break out of prison, you know, <laughs> or talk your way out of it or. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and honestly, that turns into some really fun roleplay and problem solving and trying crazy things. So, um, you know, there's other ways to make it interesting that way, you know, and then they know it's the BBEG, but you still found a way around it. So, yeah, a TPK should not result from like a single insight roll, I don't think, <laughs> in general. <laughs> uh, I think it's just that's why, like, I don't DM for my for adventure inc but when i dm like home games i when they're like i'd like to roll an insight check and i, I ask for clarification as to what they're trying to get insight on they're like i don't trust this guy cool what like go on like tell me more <laughs> and so that i can give them very specific information and even if they do like kind of what you're saying like if they do get it and they do get into that situation death isn't like there's more options than just like your party's dead So I agree. <laughs> yeah. And like it's been mentioned, um, insight, it's it's you're not it's not magical, you're not reading anybody's mind or anything like that. There's only so much information you can get from it. And I mean information that the campaign depends on, you know, should never be locked behind a single role anyways. I was just so if they fail the it. <laughs> yeah, so if they Absolutely. fail it, it's not a huge deal. But the question overall of fudging dice, I always think narrative is the most important. If there's some place where you need to fudge to keep that narrative moving or to make it more exciting for the characters, for the players, then 
There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, as a DM, you have the authority to do that. Agreed. Now, if now I was gonna say now it's now if the situation where the goblin is holding a box over a, a pit of spikes and says, "You shoot me," all the puppies in the box fall in the volcano. I, I totally agree as DM. You can roll an insight check to see if the goblin's lying about there being puppies in the box. Sure. I don't know why I picked that scenario, but I did. <laughs> it's a really nightmare scenario. <laughs> it's a very I mean, specific scenario, sad. too. <laughs> also, what the heck's going on with that goblin? Like, what is his endgame? <laughs> How is he the big bad evil guy? Like, that's what I... <laughs> okay, but true story, that would be really awesome. Like, if that's what it was. They the could be time. magical puppies. They could be. Well, and that's what your whole quest we... is to save these puppies. They could actually so... look like puppies, but then they turn out to be luck dragons. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the more we canonize this, the more you're justifying the crap that spills out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Well, that's the whole reason we're here tonight. Someone in chat <laughs> just said, you went dark with that scenario. What happened with you and puppies? <laughs> <laughs> Who hurt you? Clearly a goblin. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, let's see. Um, uh, so we're going to go back to snacks for just a second, but Keone the Dim in chat asked, uh, if this question was not asked, what kind of drink do you drink while playing? <laughs> Yes. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> Coffee, tea, soda. I want to say beer, but not when I'm recording the podcast. Because when I'm recording the podcast, I have to, like, be focused. So it's yeah. usually, like, water. But when I'm, like, home game, I don't care. Let's, let's get some, like, weird craft brews. Let's talk about it. And then... And that's it. I agree. I definitely won't drink while doing a professional game, but like if it's just all of us sitting at home shooting shooting stuff and uh just playing around then oh yeah, you know, a beer or two. If 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 I can get that one out of all the one percent of wine that I'll actually drink, maybe that, but you know. Other than that, tea or water. I, I only I, I can never drink while I DM because my brain just does not have the faculties to push through that <laughs> barrier and I let my party get away with too much crap uh, but um, you know so I usually only DM as a player the problem is being a forever DM that almost never happens so my go-to is the scalding throat juice that is tea <laughs> and my giant ass thermos of water Usually do seltzer water and water, various flavors, whatever whatever the store happens to have in stock because it's always sold out. Um, I it, it for me it really depends. Today my drink of choice is uh, a glacier cherry Gatorade, you know, <laughs> um, but usually I have uh, water, tea seltzer water yeah but usually something in that in that realm <laughs> all right let's see um okay uh shan wolf says question for the class favorite game other than D D? 
like favorite TTRPG other than D&D? I mean, I'm going to go with that because game. if we open it up to game, we could be yeah. here for a year. Yeah, so. I was like, <laughs> how, do you I was like how much question. time you got? Right? <laughs> hmm. That is the only one I've played so far, but I am exploring other options as far as good ones to jump in and learn. So. I'll say uh, my two are, uh, of course, Aetherian Steamworks. Every time I come on here, I'll say that. Yep. <laughs> that is just such an amazing system. And one I played recently, not not too recently, like a month or so ago, um, I, I know uh, we're not supposed to go crazy with the profanity, but this is the title of the game. I, all right. I a slide. It is called Gunfucks. And it is a Borderlands TTRPG. Oh, that okay. makes sense. <laughs> yes, sure. And it is so fun. I love it. So those two are are I would have to say those those are great. I mean, Aetherian Steamworks I like so much that I made my first one shot uh, on that system. So I yeah, I am also a big fan of Aether and Steamworks and. Um... And I'm going to be teaming up with one of my channel moderators, Wolf's Blood, who is going to be uh, GMing a podcast of that. So, Neat. Um, I'm always partial to anything that is, uh, like, powered by the apocalypse system. Like, mm -hmm. always. It's just a very good narrative system. Um, I, did a, I did a stream for a while that was... Um, like the the basically their version of D and D, um, Dungeon World. That's what it is. Um, but like that system, I just think is great because it just like it makes com. It's very good for making combat feel cinematic, um, which I feel like a lot of games sometimes can get too chunky or not be chunky enough, like or crunchy rather, uh, crunchy enough. And it's like the perfect blend for me. Uh, I will also say. Uh, teenage Rob has a fond, fond memory of playing Werewolf the Apocalypse. I don't know if it was a good game, but I had so much fun with it that I don't know. Uh, I don't, I have a fond memory of it. I would say I usually don't, I usually kind of come back to my own modified version of 5e, borrowing from other sort of source books, some other systems and stuff like that. I'd say the one that I lean on the most, though, that I really enjoy running is the uh, Tales from the Loop slash Things from the Flood system by Stallenhag, which is... I, really, I like it because I can pull out the book. I can be running a D&D game where I decide, hey, I want to put an intrigue. I want to make things feel cinematic when I want to describe stuff for like my own content. I always feel like I'm leaning back on that one and the sort of plot structures that it gives, because that's like a very scene-based and very intrigue-based system. Um, I really enjoy it. And it has like little bits of sci-fi and I don't know. I, I, I just like the overall aesthetic of that one. Oh, I haven't had a chance to make too much content with it directly. It's always such a hard question for me because my favorite depends on what I'm trying to do in the game. Mm -hmm. um, like if it's a big like long-term adventure game that's not D&D. Pathfinder, I love going to. Sure. If it's like a mission-based or high-space game, uh, Forged in the Dark uh, systems are always best. I love Blades in the Dark. Um, if I want something super crunchy, I love Lancer for all that customization and all the things you can do tactically. Um, horror, Quietus, 
So it's, it really depends on what kind of game I'm trying to achieve because they're all really good at something and usually just that one thing. D&D has a problem sometimes of trying to be good at everything. Um, and I think that's what a lot of, that's why a lot of people walk away from it not always feeling the best. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have a single favorite game. Um, it just depends on what kind of story I'm trying to tell. Makes sense. Um, I, like B said, uh, Aether and Steamworks is a really fun system. Um, and I also really like the quest RPG system. Um, I've mentioned it on stream before, but it's a great, really low barrier to entry system that, uh, can, I think can really be adapted to a lot of different situations. And then I haven't played it myself, but I listened to a podcast of it. And so now I'm kind of interested in, um, checking out, uh, Orbital Blues, which, uh, sounds really interesting. Your stats are, um, there it's, I, I think based on what I've learned from listening to it, I haven't looked into the system itself too much, but it sounds like it's all done on a D based on a D six roll or a several D sixes. And, um, you know, it, you're, you can earn things called blues and I haven't quite heard how those work just yet, but I'm interested to learn a little more. It seems like a pretty unique system. So, um, yeah, if you're if you want to check that one out, that's Telluride. The podcast is called Telluride, so um, I like that one. Uh, yeah, chat's going. Quest is freaking cool. I played it once. Yeah, I agree. It is. It's a good one, and it's very easy to modify. Uh, it's uh, it's like a, a D twenty, but you know, like your hit points are a set amount. Your uh, you know, if you're a caster, you have a set number of points that you can do, you know, you can spend on different actions in the course of your turn. And then as the game plays, you can like earn back some of those points based on things that you do. It's almost, it almost functions like inspiration in D and D. So, hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it's a neat. And, and the thing that's really awesome too, is the system you can buy it, which obviously is really great, but the creators literally put right in the book, like, we don't care how you got this system. Like if somebody photocopied it and gave it to you, great. Like we're just happy it's in your hands. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I like that a lot. All right. Let's see. Um, okay. Uh, carbon carbonity, uh, says favorite house rule or most important rule at your table. I gotta jump in there with the crazy crit rules or massive crit rules, whatever you want to call it. Where instead, because I've experienced it as a player, game balancing be damned. There's nothing less, nothing more disappointing than getting a crit and rolling like a one and a two on your damage dice. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that being able, like the idea here is. You roll the dice, but you maximize them first. So it's like you're guaranteed to deal more damage than you usually would. And I don't know, I just... Whenever I bring that up to someone, they just get very hyped during my games. And I just... Same I, thing I, with I like health. The hype. Same thing with health. Nothing just crushes your soul. Then you're like, I leveled up! 1 HP! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, forever curse. 
we we used to have uh, in my home game when I was like a teenager. We used to do to like mitigate that. Um, you would roll your like hit points, but the DM would also roll, but he would h hide what he rolled. So you could roll, look at your dice, and be like, "I'm gonna take your roll," um, and gamble. He'd be like, "Oh, I rolled a five on a d6. You're not gonna." you're not going to take his... It doesn't matter. But, like, if you're a gambling person, I don't know, it could roll the six. Um, but, like, yeah, I... Also, I think the the, the best the best rule is uh, helping crit, critical hits feel cooler than rolling. We had, a, we had a player... We had a player who was notorious for, like, getting critical hits and then just rolling minimum damage <laughs> uh, like they roll them all the time and so we we in instituted the rule that like a critical hit is maximum damage plus an extra dice roll and that works really well for the campaign that we're running um, the DM instituted uh, that our stats would be the standard array plus one so we added one to all of those numbers it wasn't too unbalanced, but it made us a little less squishy starting out at level one, which made it more fun for the DM throwing things at us. So, <laughs> um, and you know, it's just kind of made us just a little bit more powerful, but in the long term, it's made the game more fun because I mean, really, we're, we're a little tougher, but not in an unbalanced way. So that's just made it a little less nerve wracking for us, I guess. I'm extremely evil, so my <laughs> favorite rule... It's not a rule I came up with. I actually played with a group uh, not too long ago, <clears throat> and I was reading over the DM's rules, and I saw it, and at first I was like, why in hell? But then I thought about it, and I was like, holy crap, that adds a whole new level to the game. When you go down, when you hit zero hit points, you don't roll death save. The DM does, and you don't know. <laughs> Like that, they just roll. Terrifying. Yes. Yes. So uh. it's not like, okay, what you got two death saves? All right, we'll we'll come back to you, uh, I guess, soon. You know, maybe maybe one more round. No. If they go down, you don't know if the DM was like, All right, oh that's a twenty. Oh, that's up. Oh, bye. No. You yeah. don't you don't know. You gotta get there as soon as possible. Cause you wait too many turns and you're like, All right, well I cast heal wounds on mm -mm, no you don't. Oh no! You know. <laughs> That's gross. Yeah, so I thought it was crazy, but like it's it just adds that that suspense that that yeah, that uh, I like that, that a lot that actually craziness to the oh in, yeah in and term... the... Mm, sorry sorry I was I I used a similar rule that I was going to talk about I I don't roll it for them but uh, since we're playing online I have them whisper it to me mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to indicate to everyone else how it went so they have to keep themselves muted when they whisper it so that there's no cursing oh. to give away yeah how bad they rolled um and it, oh. it does it raises the stakes a lot and we have had situations where somebody died because the party thought they had another turn to heal them oh no we we just had this is a bit of a spoiler for my podcast but deal with it um we just thought <laughs> We just fought a <laughs> tab. Um, we just fought a uh, like a, a, a big bad, um, and they like their. We had like it was a multi round combat, 
like it was like a multi-phase combat and like in the first phase they took away our sight so it was like a, a really hard to dispel darkness or the second the second phase was darkness but it wasn't like normally dispelled the first one was silence and we have a heavy caster party but the third one was he took away our touch and what that meant is we did not know how many hit points we lost anytime we took damage we only knew how much if a healer healed us but and it, we also knew if we went down we knew we went down but we did not know how many hit points we had at any given time. And it was throwing, like, weird stuff at us all the time. So we were just like, uh, <laughs> I hope we're not dead yet. Um, we had good ideas that, like, we definitely have 10 more hit points because we healed them. But were we at 11 before? I don't know. It was it was one of the tensest uh, fights. So you, stuff like you, that's great. But it's also you, the worst. <laughs> you were robbed of your heals, your feels. It, yes. <laughs> no feels. I was going to say something, but I forgot it now, so, you know, like, you know just dormant. <laughs> It'll come Sorry. back to you as soon as the stream ends. Exactly. I'll Every see time. you after break. Every time. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, 34th Gingerbread would like to know, has a campaign of yours ever changed genres? Kind of? <laughs> We've done, um, we did, like, uh, live shows before, and our live shows, we do, we don't want them to be canon, because it's, like, it comes out at a different time. We don't really know what episode's live and blah, blah, blah. So we do alternate reality, like, adventures. And it's always different genres. So we'll, we had, like, a we had like a steampunk one. We had, like, a kind of vaguely Firefly one, but it was flying boats, obviously. Um, but not, like... We've definitely gone from, like, heavy combat to suddenly lots of political intrigue, but never, like, a full genre shift. Officially. The first ever game I DM'd for, I it was literally a situation of the dude who was running the campaign just wasn't as interested in running it all the time, and I was interested in learning, and I decided that I wanted to create a setting called Gloomhandle that was a whole sort of western sort of fantasy setting, and about like a, a rural town, and money was really scarce, and about all these heroes who gathered together, and as it kind of just went on, I, for whatever reason, decided, hey, I like DMing with weird sci-fi stuff that's out of context. So it just became this whole frickin' thing with, like, ancient time giants and, you know, multi-planar travel. And at one point, I literally just started borrowing from, like, Star Trek, and they, they were trying to close a rift, wound up in a mirror universe. I let everyone who didn't go through the rift choose how they were different, and they decided they all had sombreros. And it, it became like this whole freaking evil mirror universe thing, and it was probably much the best sort of campaign. We, we actually finished it last December after so many years of playing and COVID. Um, but it was, I, I, I love sort of shooting in a new genre into it. It inspires so much of what I do now.
I haven't had a genre shift, um, but we might actually be facing a storyline shift in our campaign. Um, we we have the choice um, to keep going through Undermountain. Um, my character actually died <laughs> this last session. Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was rough. Um, we need to get some F's in chat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in a position where they could potentially get me brought back, um, or, and, or we could, um, go on a side mission, um, to myth Draenor. Our DM has a whole kind of side thing. Um, I have a sentient sword, um, whose sentience is from there and wants to return. So it's a, a side thing we could do. Um, or I could just roll in one of my new characters. So um, it could be a shift. That would be kind of fun and interesting. But uh, we'll see what we decide. <laughs> I've never had one change genres. Actually, I've never had one change genres or really anything like that. But I do know um, Waffles Maple Syrup Channel, they were playing a Pathfinder game and they didn't just change genres they changed entire systems to do it they went from playing pathfinder to playing starfinder so it was really interesting um i'm, I'm not super familiar with how the storyline worked but it all like played into you know the storyline and everything i thought it was a really cool way to tie together their two different stories but like have them be notably different from each other as well I, I'm kind of wondering, like, why someone would want to, like, do a genre change to begin with. Like, the reason why I was very interested is I, I like chaos. I like, you know, taking something, putting it in a new context. But I think that there's also sometimes a feeling of, like, we're doing this campaign. It feels fun, but it's, it's, it's lacking something. It's lacking an experience that this campaign isn't giving. And we don't really want to create a new campaign just to accommodate that feeling. We want to work with what we already got and introduce new stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested a little bit how, how that comes along. I, I could see it happening from like, you are all seeking out some like mystery. And then the mystery is solved in that, that, mis that solved mystery brings you to a either greater understanding of the universe, i.e. spaces exists and you go to space, or, uh, you know, you solve a mystery and you go to an alternate timeline or something. Like, it, it would definitely be a good, you know, we've built up to this thing, the reveal is things are not what they've seemed this whole time in a very drastic way to, like, pay that off. Yeah. Because the longer that mystery isn't solved, the more big it's got to be and what's bigger than a genre shift. I think um, one thing, it wasn't so much a genre shift, but I actually played a game. Um, it was our normal campaign was in Pathfinder first edition. And then for a Halloween one shot, we switched to uh, 5e. Um, half the cast played a one shot with cast from, a, from another podcast. And um, so the idea was that it picked up 
where we had left off in our normal campaign, which happened to be that we were all asleep. And when we woke up in the one shot, it had switched to 5e and the whole thing was like, you know, we, we really like built into the fact that like, hey, this skill doesn't work the way I'm used to it working. And so it was this, it was kind of a neat way to run a dream sequence in a way, um, because that's how dreams are. Like things aren't, something doesn't work the way you expect it to or whatever. And so that was kind of a really fun, so it wasn't so much a genre shift, but it was a neat way to, to shift systems and have it still play into the storyline. So that was, that was fun. I will vow that here. Cool. Yeah. I will. That sounds wonderful. I will vow here live right now. I will find a way to run Curse of Strahd like Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> okay, so we need to clip that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tatiana will be a drag king. <laughs> oh my god. So, so where do I put my. I'll have to play Strahd as Yeah, how do I. Can, can I play will... a bard? <laughs> It's an all-bard party, how about? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, 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 of course, Castle Ravenloft has to shoot into space yes. kind of during the final sequence. Yes. Duh. Sure. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, that would be awesome. I really like that plan. <laughs> oh, somebody in chat just said, oops, all bards. <laughs> yes, exactly. I did play an all-cleric one-shot. Uh last summer as part of a fundraiser uh, stream we did there was five of us and we were all different clerics of varying domains and uh, we called ourselves the Amen <laughs> yeah I like it that was a thing yeah. that happened it was really funny we actually got um, we got somebody to uh, uh, do up like a um intro song for it that was very loosely based on the A-Team and everything, so <laughs> it was fantastic. That sounds very... I mean, if we're, if we're going on, you know, talking about past Oops games, um, I, I did a really fun one. It was uh, Oops All Agathas. And we oh, just I remember you doing that. Agathas. Yeah, I was Dadgatha. And it was all my powers were based around barbecuing. It was great. That's awesome. <laughs> it was so much fun. Oh my god, that's terrific. That's amazing. All right, let's see. Uh, I think we can sneak in one more question before we go to a break. So, um, let's see. Uh, the Dimpire, hi Jim. I didn't even see you sneak in. Uh, hi. would like to know. What is one piece of advice for a first-time DM or GM? Have fun. That's don't stress. What yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah, like like no matter what you plan, I guarantee you, ninety-nine point eight percent of the time, the players are gonna completely screw those plans up. They're gonna find Every some way to, to to just <laughs> throw everything straight to hell. So don't stress. Just the the whole thing, the whole reason, like the, like it says in the the uh, I think in the DM's guide, uh, you know, a whole point of this is just to have fun. To hell with the rules. The rules are there as a guideline. Just an a, a idea of hey, you should go in this general direction. Uh, but like what happens, you don't have to read it front to back to know what's going on. Just have a general idea and just have fun. 
Yeah, you're you're supposed to have fun too. It's not just yeah. about the players having fun. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a game for everybody. So you know, make sure that you're enjoying it as well. One piece of advice I got that was really helpful for me is I am a planner, and that is the worst DM. Don't be planning ever. <laughs> like have having a, a guideline is better than having a full plan. Um, and like a few backup random encounters in case like things go off the rails and you have something to throw in there. But like, if your idea is for your t party to go into the forest where there's a dark evil tower that the bad guy is and they say, let's check the hills. The tower can be there. It doesn't have to be where you drew it on the map initially. If the if If it hasn't been established yet, it's anywhere. If you want like, that's not and that's not like railroading your party that's just building a story that they want to do that's rewarding their choices so like reward their choices with your story um is kind of the long way of saying that and you do that by not being like they're gonna do this and then they're gonna do this and then they're gonna do this because that's never gonna happen <laughs> it never happens. never gonna happen <laughs> Yeah, both of those were what I was going to mention. Uh, so, uh, so not to repeat it, uh, have a name generator handy, because oh. this NPC oh, that you man. come up with on the spot, they're going to ask their name. <laughs> it's going to happen. Oh my god! The answer is Dave every time. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, like going on that, there is no such thing as a just random NPC that nobody cares about. The most minuscule like random person that you're like they're never even gonna ask the name of will become the party's most beloved and trusted ally and they will die for that person just letting you know yep. it could be somebody that randomly farted in a bar one time and it has nothing to do with the story they will die for that person <laughs> it's they're so going true. to be in that box with the puppies yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yep. they're gonna become yeah, the goblin <laughs> yeah uh, and like that's a like I come from a bit of like an improv background and like when stuff like that happens it's a gift to you if they're like we love this person make it something it doesn't have to be it they'll want it to be important and you can make it as important as you want in our game we had we were we were pushing our DM because it's funny to do that and we were like hey random NPC what's your name he's like I don't know Clyde uh, and he's like what what's your last name Harper and then my friend Steph, who's on the podcast, was like, I love Clyde. Clyde is my crush. I want to marry him now. <laughs> and, like, eventually he became king and they got married. Like, after five years, we rewarded this one stupid choice into, like, huge plot lines of, like, huge importance. Like, I, I, I fully agree. Like, have a name generator because you're going to be like, uh, Mike? <laughs> I, Mike Thompson. Because you don't want Mike Thompson to become the king. King, like, you don't want, like, Steve Jones. King Jones. Like, you... King <laughs> oh. King. Yeah, uh, my name's... Like, oh my god, we had one that was, like, salad. Like, we... Like, I, one game I had was that... Uh, I don't recommend doing this. Our, our GM said if ever there was, like, an NPC he didn't have the name for, he would like give it back to the players and be like you tell me what their name is which was great until we named someone like salad first name dressing last name because then <laughs> <laughs> that's canon now <laughs> so just 
cue that James Bourne clip, like, my god, he's salad dressing. Dressing <laughs> <laughs> was the mole all along! <laughs> natural, natural defense. Natural defense, and only do this if you're, like, the only DM your players have access to. As a defense of whenever they try to engage with a random NPC, just make that NPC so annoying that they don't just want to deal with it. Just, just do, like, a, a deep turtle voice, or make it, like, a cankerous, like, old lady... That's also dangerous, though, because they might be like, he is annoying. And we can tell that the DM finds him annoying, so we love him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also, don't, like, you have to that, that's, a double, that's a double, that's a double, what is it, doubles, uh, double sword? Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword, thank you. Uh, because there, don't do one with a voice that's just horrible for yeah. you. <laughs> because if you're like, yeah. oh, it's all right. And they're like, we're hanging out. They're, they're a part of the party now. You have to uh, forever anytime they decide to talk to this person now. Get some because cough drops. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But is it so bad? You're deriving joy from your player's suffering? I mean, it, it could go the other way as well. They could just be like, no, we really don't care about this person, but for some reason, we want them to hang around us all the time. And you're like, no. <laughs> I will. I will. I, actually, honestly, given that scenario, that sounds like a dream party dynamic of just a group <laughs> where it we're just pulling bull crap. Hold on, be careful to swear and on each other all the time. Oh yeah. And it's just like none of none none of us are 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 we're just vibe checking each other all the time. Like that just sounds fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that reminds me actually what uh the house rule uh question from yeah. earlier. It just reminded me actually of the my favorite house rule, which is you ne you can never roll against your own party members. So like if you want to steal something from somebody, they have to let you because or they don't because then it just prevents like it, it allows for the vibe check party, right? Like, it allows for you, like, we're all hanging out and we're all good friends, but, like, if you're trying to steal from me, I know. Um, and then, yeah. You, I mean, I'm, some but things if you, you should be able to roll against. Like, if you're BSing to the party, be like, okay, well, uh, you're lying, you know. It's like, hey, didn't you, didn't you just, uh, didn't you just try and drink from that place that obviously just sells nothing but rotten stuff? And you're like, no. And then you have to like do do a, 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 a what is it? Oh my god, I haven't played like D and D five e in forever. Insight? But, uh, uh, not well. No, they they would roll it insight. You you have to roll a uh, deception. Uh, deception. Deception. Thank you. Deception. And then it's like you know something simple like that. Like if you're just bsing about something dumb, then you know sometimes rolls like that are good. You can you can have them roll off against one another, or if they're doing uh. Like a uh, uh, like arm wrestling or something simple, but sure. if it's something like combat related or they're like trying to sneak up and stab somebody in their sleep kind of thing, no, because then yeah. that's, that's a whole bag of uh, can of worms that you need to uh, talk to the party about anyway. But yeah, yeah like I don't think it should just all roles be uh, canceled for the party, but definitely nothing major like like you said the 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 stealing from someone thing. Yeah, yeah. And like I'd also I'd also say like if they are if you are lying to your your party members I wouldn't I would still not have you roll because like mm. if they're suspicious of you like it's when when you roll an insight check and you fail the insight check you don't stop being suspicious yeah. you are still suspicious you just don't have new information mm -hmm. and so in like that situation for me in like our game and in also like in a game I would run 
if you're being suspicious, there's no role you can make to stop being suspicious. You just yeah. gotta lie better. Like yeah, that's I feel, it. I feel like that's like <laughs> you, it, it's all in like how you handle the 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 uh, the the result of that role. So like sure. instead of somebody just saying, "Hey, uh, you roll insight," okay, you rolled a two. You're you don't you don't suspect them anymore. No, 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 you don't do that. It's it's more of the lines of you know, yeah, they they seem kind of suspicious i mean you don't know exactly what it is something you can't get rid of that feeling you, you don't have any concrete evidence but hmm. something's still just biting in the back of your mind like you just can't let it go because there's it's you know going back to what you said like you can't just invalidate somebody's feelings you can't be like oh no you don't feel that way anymore no they they felt a reason to be suspicious of this person. They can still be suspicious, but like totally. you said, they just don't have any new info on it. My and they should be. I mean, they should be okay with that. Um, my fa my favorite response when one party member asks, "Hey, do I believe this other party member?" I say, "I don't know. Do you believe them?" Yeah. Yeah. Good way to do it. Yeah. I had a a character death in a. We were kind of trying out the new Ravenloft supplement, so it wasn't anything um, like an actual game or whatnot. But um, my character died at the hands of a Dampier, and so I turned into one. And so it was my party figuring out after that, like, oh, hey, you're a vampire. So there were roles to, like, suddenly I didn't need to sleep. And suddenly I, you know, and so they had to kind of roll to see if they could figure out, like, what happened in that moment. Um... So it was that was kind of fun, you know, when your character changes and you have to figure those things out. I feel like that's the type of conversation that you would have in a session zero. Like, oh, a, absolutely. you know, are we going to do this or not kind of thing? Oh, going back to the uh, the, the, the new uh, DM information question. Have a session zero. Yeah. yeah. Every single time. That is not Full that stops. is non-negotiable. Yep. That's honestly, like, that's really the beginning of the fun, like, when you are planning your characters together and, you know, what your telling of the story is going to be, and, you know, so it really, I, for me, that's the one that gets me the most pumped to start this campaign, mm -hmm. this journey. Mm. If you don't have that, it's just, I, I don't feel tied to the game, I guess, you know? Yeah. And I think, too, where so many of us now are playing with online groups and, you know, that sort of thing, that if you're meeting a group of people for the first time, or maybe you only know the person who invited you to the game or whatever, like, it's so important because it just will help you get to know people and, you know, what their comfort level is with certain things and how, yeah. you know, what is the what's the joking like? What's the banter like between your social group and... and sure. You know things like that because in a session zero you that might be when you figure out you know what this is not the group for me <laughs> mm -hmm. or and, you might be like what oh, a great this time. is awesome yeah because like god forbid you start you're like hey yeah i'm very excited a bunch of people i don't know i just moved here and i you know and then you meet these people and you're like i hate everyone here. yeah <laughs> like that's a night then you feel this weird obligation and like if that was the case, if I was running a game like that and it just like immediately, it's like kind of like a culture fit at a job, which is, you know, it's better to have different perspectives and stuff, but you still got to be somewhat compatible friendship wise. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it session zero is a good, is a, is a real good, real good one. I agree fully. 
fully agree. Kind of on that note, um, you know, when I've done games where you're meeting everybody, um, sometimes we'd run a one shot before we actually jump into the campaign, and that really gave you another Ooh. chance to see, like, can I play Ooh. well with these people? You know, because maybe you get along when you're, you know, planning your characters and doing the session zero, but when you actually get into the gameplay, you can learn a lot of things about some people that, yeah. okay, their play style's not for me, so that's just as important. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Or, or it could be that you've played with a different group for so long that you're coming back to a group that you used to play with and you're like, oh, this doesn't fit anymore, like with how I want mm -hmm. to play the game. You know, maybe yeah. you've learned new and different things and, you know, you have a different style of play. I I personally have, have had that happen to me. Like, you know, I've learned a lot in the last couple of years and then I realize like, oh, yeah, no, I don't want to play like that anymore. I like playing like this now. You know, when totally. I... Totally. When I was first getting into playing, um, I didn't have anything to compare it against. Like I had my mm -hmm. local group and that was it. That was all, that was the only people I had ever played with. So I didn't know anything different, but yeah, as you start playing with new and more people, you know, you learn different things about how you like to play and don't like to play. And, mm -hmm. you know, it becomes more and more important to find a group of people that are going to yeah. fit how you want to play. Because it all comes back to that having fun thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Playing with a lot of different people, though, over time, you do pick up things in, in each game that's kind of like, I really like that. I want to, yeah. you know, I'm going to look for that. And, and it's just, you know, the diversification of all these different things that different people do that make the game that much more fun and interesting. And it's super, it's yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and... And it's also good for being like, hey, by the way, me as a player, here are my hard limits. Here's yep. my boundaries. Mm -hmm. I don't like dealing with this theme. I'm not cool with player romance or heck yeah, player romance. Like those are things that if they're never established and they come up and it's never talked about, oh, yeah. you're like, everyone's just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's just better yeah. to have the sort of, it's like you're establishing a social contract, a contract which benefits everyone in the room not just the dm definitely yes. well this is probably a great time for us to pause and take a break so we are going to do that and we will be back in just a few minutes so uh if we haven't answered your question yet we will absolutely get to it after the break and we will see you in just a few minutes Hi guys, I'm Matt, and I am half of Roleplay Chat. Roleplay Chat is a podcast and passion project from two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. We talk about games like Dungeons and Dragons, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, the Fate Core System, Call of Cthulhu, and many more. In Roleplay Chat, Chris and I take deep dives into tabletop RPG subjects. We touch on topics ranging from something as simple as traps all the way to abstract concepts like uh, pacing or engagement at your table. Chris and I take you through unscripted chats, showcasing our roleplay strategies, providing you with concrete tools in the aim of improving as a player or as a game master. Our bi-weekly show can be found wherever you podcast. Just look for Roleplay Chat. That's R-O-L-E Play Chat. 
hello we are back from break i hope you all had a good break as well um we are going to dive right back into some of the questions that we got and um so let's see where did we leave off we left off with uh oh okay here we go uh brahm the nat one digital artist would like to know do you um do you prefer that there are rules for everything like in Pathfinder or D&D 3.5 or do you prefer D&D 5e where rules are not set in stone and a lot depends on the if the DM allows it or not? What are pros and cons to having too many rules set in stone? <laughs> well, how much time do you have? <laughs> oh man, that's a loaded one. I know. Um, I think it's a lot more fun when you have the guidelines like stuff's gonna come up in game that just thematically is more fun this way. And that's against the rules technically, but we're gonna do it anyway because it's more fun. If the rules are making things less fun, then throw them out. <laughs> really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely have things that I prefer have rules and I, I definitely have things that I don't love when they have rules. Social interaction stuff, I'm not always super into. I think I've made that kind of clear in the way I hope I have made that clear. Um, I'd rather just like properly role play. And I understand that like sometimes it that can be tricky, especially for lots of people and lots of, like I'm trying to play a smart character and I'm I'm an idiot. Uh, that can be tough. Um, but I generally like when the things that are established is just i want i've i grew up with like i started on 3.0 which had the most rules but it wasn't that they had a lot of rules it just had the rules had a lot of words that could have been simpler yeah and there was a lot of like oh my god 3.0 3.5 bull rush rules were like a page for no reason um in fact and then we went back into second edition and i learned thaco and that was stupid <laughs> But, like, um, I, I genuinely like when there are rules that are there to, like, remove the bias of the DM. Because the DM allowing it can also sometimes feel, or, or even worse, not allowing it, can feel bad. Um, but, like, if it's a cool thing, like, I'll break the rules. I don't care. But that's, that's, that's my long-winded answer. Yeah, I like some rules, but... I mean, I also play Cyberpunk Red, which I don't know if you've ever looked at a Cyberpunk Red character sheet, but there are like 40 skills listed. And it's too much, quite honestly. <laughs> it's way too granular. Um, and it bogs it down a lot, makes things way too specific. Um, 5e has an issue where it has a lot of very, very specific rulings and errata for things like combat. But then every other part of the game, there's almost nothing. And it tries to be two things at once. That's my, my issue, I think, with 5e rules. Um, I don't know. Like it was mentioned, rule of cool, if it makes sense, if the players are having fun. Um, rules are important. They give a structure to make sure everyone's on the same page. But they shouldn't be... Lancer, for example, has a uh, quick reference um, thing for combat, and it's four pages of solid text. You know, it's, yeah. 
there's no reason to have rules that specific. Um, and it just ends up bogging everything down and takes away creativity because you're trying to, anytime you try to be creative, you run into this rule or that rule or that exception or that errata um, or this major developer of the game uh, tweeting about it. And now that's that's how you're supposed to rule and it gets lost all over the internet. and It becomes too much and yeah, it stifles creativity. When I am, whenever like a book comes out, or it's like a book I'm looking back on because I'm frankly new to the sphere of, of things, I tend to really enjoy the ones that frankly have a whole lot of gaps in it, like Storm King Thunder as an example, because I see that as an opportunity to fill it up with a whole bunch of like my own stuff, like why exactly are we doing this? What other agents are there? What's actually driving you forward? But that's pretty much because I'm a glutton for punishment, and that's just generally how I roll. I am actually somewhat critical of when they don't offer a lot of guidance of how things go, or sometimes it feels it, it, it feels like it's not made very clear why this character exists here to even begin with, or how they're intended to be. Because I worry for for other players who I'm always trying to like convince to try their hand at DMing because I think they'd be I genuinely think they'd be good at it. it. It it can make that a little bit of a stretch for them. But at the same time too, I think that there is also a big concern for having too many rulings. Um, I get shudders every time I look at a Pathfinder grapple sheet. Oh my god. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But ultimately, yeah, in my own games, though, I tend I tend to very much rely on the rule of cool and fun tangents we go on, as long as we bring it back to, like, a cool development in the story based on that stuff. Uh, incidentally, going back to the, uh, the Pathfinder grapple rules, I played in two Pathfinder first edition streams for a couple of years, and we jokingly made a flowchart uh for the for the grapple rules and it was like if this then this and finally by the time we stopped playing we were like did they roll this yep they grapple <laughs> it was just like nope we're not going through that every time <laughs> I, there's this um game design principle i like sometimes you know we we've all done it we'll just like be up late youtube all right let's learn about game design um, the one that has, like, as someone who's, like, done a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, the one that's really stuck with me, like, that I still think about is, like, um, there was a, there was a video about something called, like, the mechanics are the message, and that, like, the way the game should play should feel like the story you're trying to tell. So, like, if, if it is, if you are trying to grapple <laughs> an octopus, it should feel complicated, <laughs> um... But if, it, if, if that's not, like, adding to the feel and the vibe of the gameplay, if the gameplay isn't enhancing the story and or the story is holding back that, because, like, the the, the problem um, that, like, Archival Dust Bunny was saying is that, like, D&D tries to do too many things at once. And so what happens is, like, there's, like, a game, and then there's, like, a story, and then they feel like they're separate things. So when you can bring them together with like cool gameplay mechanics, like something like a like you're in a war, and so like there's this other thing happening, and you can like kind of incorporate a lot of things, and you're trying to negotiate, blah blah blah. It feels much cooler than like, 
Well, hold on, let's see what the rules say about this specific scenario. So like if it's not adding to the if it's not adding to the feel and the vibe in the like story you're trying to tell, it's probably chaff and should be thrown out. But if you are trying to run a Lancer game with a complicated mecha system where everything has that has a gun that shoots, I believe like non Euclidean lasers or something like I've read that I've read the rule book and it's great yes. but it should feel complicated because it's meant to right that's that's my my thought um but if that it just bogs num- down stuff it's like <laughs> get out of here that gun has one of my favorite rules ever written in any system though it has it deals damage that can't be pre- prevented and in the core rules it says that um or in the supplement that, that it's in, that no future rules, expansions, or narratives can ever change this feature. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> because it's outside the laws of physics. Um, but yeah, that's, that's just a side point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that's, that's my thought. Yeah. I, Sounds like I someone really... just bought a whole bunch of those guns and is trying to hype up the value, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't have an issue with rules. I mean, put as many rules as you want. You know, it, it can be uh, an encyclopedia of rules. When it comes down to it, for the most part, I'm probably going to ignore them for the sake of gameplay. So, I mean, I may look at something briefly, and if it starts to get wordy, I'm like, okay, not reading that. I'm just going to make a snap decision. Boom. So, I mean, there... <clears throat> I think it's better to have a bunch of rules just for people who need who rely on those, and then the people who don't can just ignore them um, instead of just something that's like, "Hey, uh, you can do things, just decide on them." Because then those people that need structure, they're just like, "I'm lost. I don't know what to do," and you know, it, it just it makes it unbearable for them. But yeah, I. I I'm fine with it because, like I said, I will ignore them if I feel the need to. I like both uh, because I feel like both sort of have their place, and there are so many smaller systems out there that you can find something that will fit whatever you want to (laughs) do. So. I've played rules heavy and I've played rules light and I like both for different reasons. I don't think it's... I keep coming back to this thought. There was a... My ex-husband was a teacher and there was a kid that was in one of his classes uh, where the question was always, which one is better, this or this? You know, it was for everything. Didn't matter what it was. Which is better, trombone or trumpet? Well, they're both great for different reasons, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is very much the same kind of thing. Like, I think both are great for different reasons. (laughs) And I I do think a weakness of D&D is that, like, some people will see, like, oh, people who optimize their characters are not playing to the spirit of the rules. Yeah. But then there's also other people who are like, but I want to be I want I want to win against the bad guy. Why would I make my character worse? And there's this like kind of there's not there's not often a lot of like, well, both are good for different reasons. Yeah. And then it leads to like the third way of being like, well, throw it away cuz <laughs> who cares? <laughs> um which is 
which can and cannot be good too. But like all of those ways are correct. Whatever you derive joy from, as long as you aren't taking it from other people, do your thing. There you go. It's as simple as that. That's the best rule. Have fun. Yep. Or else. Yeah. And if you aren't, <laughs> and if you aren't experiencing joy, if it's a situation where you feel like I want to play to the spirit of the game, but I consistently feel bad because this person next to me is always optimizing their character build and succeeding at way more things than me, then don't try to hold resentment towards them. They're playing the game in a way that's fun for them, and if you're having other feelings about that, talk to your DM, see if there's something that you can do about playing it a way that you think might be a bit better for you. Yeah, totally. And sometimes, too, stuff like that just comes about from having a conversation because you may have an idea for something that nobody else at the table had considered before. Because you might say, like, hey, what if we did this for... I can't come up with an example right now, but, you know, what if we did this instead of that? Or we reworded the rule, you know, as an and instead of an or, or something like that. You know, sometimes just a minor change to the rule can make it that much more enjoyable for everybody. Mm -hmm. Totally. And, like, some people optimize their characters to be strong. Some people optimize their backstory, Yeah. right? Like, we've all had the three-page backstory that you're like, ah, oh, man, I got to read this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of characters in this. Uh, like... so. I've made the character that's really smart and a good fighter, but is the clumsiest person. I made Dexterity my dumb stat. <laughs> so... Whoops. <laughs> but I did it on purpose because it was hilarious. I was sure. tripping over things or dropping things all the time or, you know, so. Combat Not starts and I'm over here like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not every DM needs to go through it, but one of the things I really like doing whenever I'm building a new party and bringing people on board is I like to kind of sit down with each of them, whether it's through group chat or a Zoom call, and figure out who this person is and really what sort of game they want to play. Because sometimes it feels like there's like sub games, I guess kind of not to get too probabilistic about it, but sometimes there's like sub-games that exist in there. Sometimes the rogue goes off and they really want to feel like they can be that independent person from time to time. And then, you know, you got to think, how are you going to balance that with everyone else? Mm. Sometimes you yeah. might have someone who's, hey, they, where they get joy is being able to, maybe not so much power build, but do all these sort of crazy turns in combat that, you know, makes them feel really bouncy or feel like they're... You know, they're they're playing like some cool synergistic support build that is built into a class that's not usually a support build. Mm -hmm. I I try to like find out what uh, each of my players kind of want, and then it kind of becomes a social contract of everyone making sure that when it's that player's turn to be that person, to have that sort of little game in there, that everyone in there can kind of be ready to shift gears and enjoy how that person enjoys the game. That's, that's just some of my favorite stuff. Obviously, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, not recommending any DM put themselves through that level of of, <laughs> of planning and commitment, but I, I personally enjoy it for my own stuff. I've, chat is going, uh, three-page backstories? Those are rookie numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, I don't mind how long 
players do their backstories, but I always request that they give me a bulleted summary and a separate NPC list as well, just so that I don't have to go through five pages to find whatever specific person I'm supposed to pick out of it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Um, we did we did a thing where it was like, give me three important characters to you, and two locations in the world, and that was like, like. Who are these characters? Why are they important? And then, like, give me two locations that exist, and that's it. If you want to write a backstory, I will read it. But like, these these are the important people that I need to know, and that can be like a good a good way to honor what they want to write and what they're feeling creatively, and also being like logistically, I have to know who's important. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. If you want to have, uh, you know, any sort of. <coughs> Excuse me, side quest or something like that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, Cawthon, uh use the ask my question next feature. If you have a thousand channel points, we do have that available. And so you can bump your question up to the next one in the queue. So Cawthon has used that and... So we're going to jump to his question next, and then we'll come back to the ones that we are still still trying to get to. Uh, Cawthon would like to know, what is your favorite character that you've ever made or played? That's like a big question. That's like asking, like, who's your favorite child? Oh, I mean, I can answer that one easily. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh I... no. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> if I had to answer that, it would it would be a two way tie. Um, it would be. Oh wait, no. Oh god. No, this is terrible. <laughs> I don't like Tough this one, game. Man. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. My favorite, I think, was I am a huge fan of Kubo and the Two Strings. It's one of my favorite movies. It was brilliantly done. I absolutely loved it. So I wrote up my interpretation of Kubo. It was the halfling bard and, you know, did that and actually played it in just a home game. And that was incredibly fun. I had a lot of fun with that. Then again, I also have four characters written up. I wrote up one of each of the Ganassi, um, one for each element, and that's going to be the characters I use in some one-shots and things I'm going to do this year. Um, so I'm really excited to try those out. <laughs> nice. For really... me... Oh, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, but you're next. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I really like the character I'm playing right now in my in Adventure Inc. Um, the character I played previously, uh, we weren't. We were like, let's make uh, D and D characters, and we like we'll record it, and it will become a podcast, and like no one will listen to it, and then we'll just like quit, like every D and D game. <laughs> and then it went on for five years. And so <laughs> that character 
I kind of developed on the fly, and I had I known that we would have been successful, I would have developed differently. So with season <laughs> two, so with season two, I was given that opportunity, and I really like uh, Belroth Beacon, the Tiefling uh, Ranger, who um, I think someone described it as uh, he's um, he's a mix between. Indiana Jones and Frasier, which is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he's a he's a ranger interested in trying to discover like 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 magical morphed beast. He's like a professor who trying like did like learn about that stuff, but he's like really stuffy. So I tried to like be a ranger that broke a lot of ranger molds, but still fit within the archetype. And basically, Indiana Jones plus. <laughs> being Frasier has been a lot of fun because he's like definitely like hits hard can very very competent but tries very hard to be smart and he tries to outsmart other people but he's kind of not that's not his strong suit but he will <laughs> never admit that so um Belroth is like I I've I really am very happy with how he he turned out oh he sounds fantastic Oh, adventuring dot com, dot com. We're also on every podcatcher. That's my plug. Okay, there that's you it. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I'm gonna answer with two. The character that has stuck with me the most, uh, that I keep finding myself thinking back to, and then the character that I think that has been my favorite. Um, so the character that has stuck with me the most was my grave cleric, Mara. She's the only evil character I've ever played, and she didn't start off that way. Um, but over the course of a uh, 12 or 14 level campaign, uh, she went from being a cleric of the Raven Queen to being a trickery cleric of uh, Asmodeus to being a... Um, finally at the end a light cleric flathander um and she followed this whole arc of because of her resentment for being chosen by the raven queen this arc into being um a cleric of um asmodeus and this descent into not like cartoony evil but kind of ambivalent um evil and then at the end, kind of finding her way back um, and explored a lot of themes about how people who are not bad people just end up kind of on that track. Um, and she's one that I always think back to. Uh, but I think my favorite character to play was Q, who was my Aladrin uh, dancer. She was a dancer. She was a performer when she started adventuring with the party, just their first story. Uh, to see all the towns they were going to and all that. Uh, but mechanically, she was a swashbuckler. Uh, so she would spin and dance in and out of battle using the fancy footwork uh, mechanic. And over the course of this adventure, she went from being just there for a story to eventually multi-classing into fighter and becoming kind of like this the party's protector, um, doing battle master maneuvers to spin in and move people out of the way and move back out of battle and stuff like that. Um, became kind of this rescue unit protector. Um, and I had a lot of fun uh, kind of reflavoring the classic swashbuckler mechanics into just a dancer who wasn't a bard. That was a lot of fun. That's cool. My The first character I fell in love with, I w 
first time I played like in a proper in-person campaign, not trying to make it work at the Adventure League, like actual group who wants me to be part of, I played in, it was a UA at the time, the Invention Withered, and I, I, I freaking loved her just as like a personality, it's anti-establishment wizard, more so just wanting to have fun, big old afro that like whenever she'd use her lightning magic would suddenly unpop all the braids and it was just a good time playing her but lately the the character i've been playing in a home game that i really really have been enjoying has been a plasmoid um not a humanoid plasmoid more of a yafit from the orville plasmoid who is a fighter and a bard so i get to have my electric loot and my Sunblade. I don't know if those are showing up in frame. And I've got Dog balancing on my knee, Spock. Oh, he's going for the biscuit I had on my desk. Ah. Okay. <laughs> lot going on. <laughs> I have a lot going on. I've got, like, so many things balanced on me right out of frame. And anyway, i am just been enjoying him because he is a... I just like being Goopy Boy. I just like being a dude who is made out of goo. And there's nothing weird or, you know creepy about it just he's a dude who is out there who's going through space doing fantasy adventure who is a disgraced knight whose order basically fell out of favor and he tries to believe in the virtues and goes through that whole sort of rebuilding and finding true purpose in the cosmos while just being a balaba goo with a mouth on it i don't know something about that just makes me feel good i also just like because he's always chaotic he always has such a high armor class when he starts using his battle maneuvers and Blade flourishes because multi-class. He just—I just like to imagine how annoying it would be to fight a blob who's just like swinging with like three blades a turn. I don't know. Something just fun about that. Um. So it was explicitly put in chat that I couldn't say my character Edabrix. So I'm not gonna say my character Edabrix, even though she's uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, she was a halfling rogue in a Pathfinder one e campaign, um, but uh, she multiclassed a couple of times. Um, so she was actually a rogue fighter ranger. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it, she was pretty badass. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, a character that I played. I didn't play her very long, um, but it was a streamed game that I ultimately ended up uh, having to back out of because of scheduling issues on my end. Um, but, I, God, I loved that character. She, it was a Savage Worlds World of Darkness crossover game. So we were using the World of Darkness lore, but the Savage Worlds rule set. And uh, her name was Claudia, and she was a werewolf. And my God, she was such a bitch. And I loved her. Um, which, <laughs> for anybody who knows me, like, I don't play characters like that very often. And she wasn't evil by any means, but she just was like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what you guys want from me. Like, you know, and just, you know that, like, feeling of a long day on a Monday and like one more thing is just going to make you snap. And like that was her <laughs> attitude all the time. And oh, she was just, it, it was great. Cause the stream was Monday nights. 
And so I had just gotten home from like a super long day at work. I was commuting an hour each way, um, raced through making dinner. And so like that was the mindset that I was typically in by the time I hit the the time for the stream. So uh, it was great. Like I, I was able to kind of channel all of my daily frustration into her. And then I was like, all right, that was very cathartic. I feel better now and I can move on with the rest of my week. Um <laughs> But she just, she was a lot of fun, you know, and it was, it was nice too, because she was so just all around, like one, she was a werewolf. I've never played a werewolf before, but like, she just was everything that I don't normally play in a character. And I would love to, uh, to resurrect her somewhere at some point. <laughs> On that, uh, sorry, character that you don't typically play. Um, I played that kind of bard once and, uh, <laughs> I'm ace. So that was really, it was stepping way out of my comfort zone, but I'm like, screw it. I just want to do this once, you know, yeah. <laughs> play the, the typical bard. So, um, it was the college of Rakdos. So she was like super chaotic. Um, but you know, we, we did the session zero boundaries and established everything, but I was like, I'm going to let you know, like, she's going to flirt with everybody. She's gonna, you know, so it kept everybody on their toes and it was just, it, it was hard for me at first, but then I kind of got into it and was like, okay, I'm just gonna, no holds barred, pun intended. So, um, yeah, it was, that was really fun for a while. Alright, uh, I, over painstaking deliberation, have narrowed it down to, um, one of them being a, uh, big elderly turtle man, <clears throat> whose name is Finnegan. He is, uh, this is on the, the Aetherian Steamworks, uh, system, so he's what's called a Brewster, which they, uh, just make potions and concoctions all the time from the weirdest of things and he is just he was uh, the easiest way to explain him he was a batshit old man who just didn't know where he was or what he was doing 90% of the time and he he did more damage than help but he was so much fun to play like the first time I played him we got into a fight and I ended up as like a giant cousin it with claws and tusks <laughs> and a tentacle coming out of my chest because of all the random potions I was throwing at people. And I hit one of our teammates with a potion trying to heal him, and he ended up speaking slang and jive for, like, 24 hours. And <laughs> it was just chaos incarnate, and I oh, love it. Oh, God. Oh, um, wow. So that, that one, I, I, I love him to death. And then another one... um, I would have to say to also channel my inner, uh, oh, but see, second place is tied between two because one side is for like dramatic fulfillment and the other side is also chaotic fulfillment. So the like dramatic one is the, uh, the, the little, the, the poor, poor little bean that I play now on, uh, on, on the unremarkables on Saturdays. He's, uh, we're, we're doing the, uh, mask system. And so he's a Nova, so extremely powerful, but just the saddest, most nervous thing ever to exist. And it's just like, 
poor Rob, anytime he tries to give us a beach day or shopping day, it just turns into drama city and just like all the feels. Um, so I love playing him. But then my other one would be from that Borderlands uh, one shot because I was just just a meathead. I pretty much played a psycho, uh, but he was just good, good, good ish. But yeah, it was just I ran into stuff and just blew people up and it, it was so much fun. As someone who's go to torture my players NPC is an old turtle man. I have so much respect for you right now. <laughs> you gotta like set them up on like a play date. Oh, I'm <laughs> if you wish. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you're just gonna be like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" Yeah. Uh, hello there. <laughs> how are you doing? You wanna blow some oh. stuff up? Oh, that's gonna be great, especially the voice difference. Yeah, yeah, hey. let's blow it up. Let's go. <laughs> we gotta do it. We gotta ship it. I'm down. That poor, poor GM. <laughs> Whatever happened, just like. Don't write anything down. You're you're improvising tonight, baby. Let's go. To be fair, most of the time that is my only rule in session zero is just don't write things when I'm playing because I'm not gonna go by them. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love I love some of the stories that people have about their characters. I think they're super fun. And then I'm like, man, I want to watch all the streams and listen to all the podcasts. And it's hard. It's so hard. I just you can't. It was funny. I was uh, I was giving um, giving the cast of Telluride crap on Facebook, uh, not not Facebook on Twitter the other day because they recently released a couple of two hour long episodes and and most of the episodes that come out from that group have been one hour. And I was like, guys. You totally wreaked havoc on my listening schedule. Like you have no idea how messed up I am now. <laughs> I it's so like it's it's such a bummer to like as someone who finds themselves like going through phases of like creating a bunch of stuff and then being like, "Wow, I'm burnt out. I got to do nothing right now." Um it's it's such a bummer to like meet other creative people and be like, "Oh man, your your podcast, your cool your stream seems really cool, but I'm tired and I like you. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see. I want. I like you. I'll support you. I'll. Sh I'll retweet you. I'll do whatever. But like, I. I don't know if I have the bandwidth to know. Like, I know your story is super intricate. I. I still gotta get caught up on like four seasons ago of TV. Like, I don't have. <laughs> it's. It's such. It bums me out because like there are so many cool creative things right now when like if you ever go to like a co convention or you ever like just do one of these things and you meet all these lovely people who are making cool stuff all the time you're like i don't now i have like more yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. i can't have this many friends uh no yeah i mean stop being my friends people oh <laughs> uh! why do you like me so much yeah get no, away feel... from me i'm busy <laughs> like, i feel I you big... on that one sorry Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm a big advocate of, if you're running a show that has, like, seasons or an ongoing campaign, do do consistent recaps, right? Make it make it something that if yeah. you're a new listener and you don't have 
a ton of time or space or commitment to binge some all 40 if you're lucky 40 episodes of someone's series it's it's a a big it's a big favor to your listeners to yeah. have that flexibility of here's what's the story's up so far and if they like the chaos they can just keep on listening i try to i try to have fun with our uh recaps each episode do we do like yearly ones which maybe we should do them more frequently because <laughs> our first campaign was five years that means there were at least three to four re- there was three recaps four recaps i don't know it's fine <laughs> it's funny because i listen to a couple of podcasts where they'll do that like halfway through the season they'll do a recap episode so they're like okay if you're brand new you can start here and dive right in yeah no i still go back and listen to the whole backlog because <laughs> like, i totally. i feel like i'm missing context otherwise <laughs> yeah absolutely there's inside jokes and all yeah kinds of that, yeah yeah definitely i was all proud of myself i'm like yes i'm only 12 episodes away from being caught up on from afar podcast and then no no i that's all gone <laughs> And that, and that's sort of like why we structured our show. I mean, we 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 figured out what our show was year three, and then we weren't done with the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like that's why going forward, we're gonna like break off, break it off into like like this is the first part. If you don't, if you you will only be enriched by listening to the first part. If you start here, you can start here. Yeah. Um, which is also hard to do um but like when you can do that kind of stuff because then you you also when you do that you lose the ability to be like but here's a character from 300 episodes ago that you thought was dead <laughs> and everyone's like what, what? <laughs> but then like it was like i just started listening i don't know who this is uh you like it, it's it's such a weird balance yeah you didn't kill me you killed my twin <laughs> yeah it, it becomes it becomes melodrama and it's the best Uh, All right. Well, we are about at the point where we need to start wrapping up for the evening. So I am going to have everybody go around again one more time and just uh, remind us of who you are and where we can find you around the Internet. And if you have anything that you want to share, you know, upcoming streams, podcasts, charity events, whatever, uh, this would be a great time to do it. So we're going to go in the reverse order from when we started. So this time we're going to start with Ella. (laughs) Oh gosh, no pressure. Surprise! Um, <laughs> um, I am Ella Harper, um, the geeky seamstress everywhere. Uh, sewing geekiness on Twitter and the geeky seamstress on Instagram. Um, all my links are here, but you can uh, visit my shop online at geargaming365.com slash shop. I have all kinds of awesome, everything from bags of holding to cosplay pieces that I sell on there that everything's made by me. Um, I also sing periodically. Um, (laughs) You can see my videos on Twitter. Thank you. Um, I'm getting more comfortable with it. Uh, On camera, I should say. Um, And on YouTube at Gear Gaming 365, we have our Undermountain campaign. We're the Tuesday Night Troublemakers. Um, So you can jump in on that campaign. I'd say probably start from like May of last year because that's when it started getting a lot better. Um, So we... we, um, exited a player um anybody that knows what's going on in my personal life (laughs) um and so it it got a lot more fun after that so that's probably where you'd want to pick up with us so all right well thank you and it was so great to have you on and 
Um, I know that uh, you and I will continue to chat on Twitter about all things geeky and crafting related. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's fun to be here. Yeah, great. Um, well, thank you again. And uh, let's see. Next, we will go to Rob. Hey, uh, uh, my name is still Rob Mulligan. Uh, you can find me on most social medias at Mural Goblin. Uh, tic- I've been making stupid TikToks and I I make dumb jokes on Twitter. Uh, but if you could follow my podcast Adventure Inc., uh, that would be awesome. We're on most podcatchers. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, that's probably where we are. We're in the very beginning stages of our first, uh, our second campaign. Great place to start would be like with one of those intro episodes um i also uh we have a website adventureinkpod.com um and also we okay like every third thursday or as we call it thursday we do we do do a live stream where we get to be like kind of goofy and um called tavern night where we will usually uh have our adventurers go to the tavern and have a night of drinking and debauchery and usually there's a guest there uh last month we had katie osaurus um who is a lovely lovely individual um and we've had all sorts of rando people on there and who knows who will be on there in the future i certainly don't even though i am in charge of that so (laughs) oh i feel uh, that (laughs) (laughs) right um so check us out adventuringpod.com or uh adventure incorporated on any podcatcher uh that you like all right that's me well, Rob, thanks so much for coming to hang out tonight. It was great to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, thanks for having me so much. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, uh, let's move over to uh, Adrian. Thank you so much, Luna. Uh, my name is Adrian Gibbons. I had a wonderful time hanging out with everyone here tonight. I run a podcast called Dice Carnival. It is seriously a lot of fun. I highly recommend you hop over to it, look on whatever podcasting platform you look on and just choose an episode that has a funny title to you (laughs) how funny how interesting the title is that's probably going to rank how interesting that episode is going to be for you so that's going to be the best way to go it uh but no it's a ton of fun we got our electroval series so that's great if you like intermediate villains who are like tabloid media kingpins and uh you know, we've got Jack Rambo, who's like a mortician necromancer who creates the skeletal labor force that, you know, keeps the sewers clean and stuff like that, who people donate their bodies to in exchange for a, a party at the end of life. Uh, it is it is, it is, is fantastic, and we had a great time there. It's hilarious. It's, it's good. We also got our witch-like campaign, uh, which uh, Luna showed interested in, so I'm, I'm, I'm very honored by that which we produce in collaboration with members of the Homebrew D&D podcast, which is a more sci-fi bit, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of sort of intrigue. I've changed some stuff in there to be a bit more a bit more of an interesting in-game plot, but we're slowly building our way up there. So be sure to check in every Tuesday, because we, we literally upload like an hour-long episode every Tuesday, and sometimes more than that. But we keep it fun, we get good recaps, and we would love to see you there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for coming to hang out. It was great. Another person, it was great to actually be able to put a face to the name. So, so, um, thank you so much for hanging out tonight. If I can say one more thing, Misha, Misha has been on this program before. She is one of my, she's an amazing player on there. You've, you've got to check out her characters in both campaigns. Yes. Yeah. Really enjoyed having Misha on too. Um, well, thank you again. Uh, bees! 
that's me. Um, I'm going to try and shove everything I have into a very short and very quickly spoken little spiel. Uh, so, let's see how like, that goes. Believe in you. Go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start. I'm just going to. The important thing. Hello, everyone. I am Big B's. Uh, you can get you can follow me on Twitter at Big B's underscore where I retweet everything that comes across my eyes. Um, you can also uh, come hang out in my stream at Big underscore B's on Twitch, where I do a variety of uh, uh, I just do random games. I'm a variety streamer. I do a lot of scary games at night because people love to hear me scream. And huh? uh, we're playing through Darksiders, uh, the Darksiders series during the day. Now, to channel uh, Ace Ventura. <laughs> you can also catch me on RFK on Saturdays when I play a superhero campaign. I will also be doing a Pokemon two-shot on, on that channel one of these days. Please message me if you want to play. I'll be doing multiple runs of that. So if you don't get in the first one, you'll definitely get in on another one. I will be on the one-shot channels, Twitch channel, uh, doing uh, mid-February, Tuesdays, uh, 9.30 to 11.30 EST with uh, Iron Etta Reforged Bubble Campaign. I will also be on the uh, One Shot uh, podcast uh, doing a bunch of different games there. I will also be uh, I'm recording some awesome stuff for Skyjacks, so check it out. Um, I'm also doing a couple other things that are in the works right now, so follow me on Twitter or Twitch and you'll find those out. Love you all. It was great having me. Thank you, Luna. I love you. Thanks. <laughs> uh, there. He didn't pass out. I am impressed. <laughs> you think that's my first time? No. <laughs> oh, I know for a fact it's not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Bees, uh, again, always a pleasure. I, it's always so great to have you here. I love your face, and I love when we get to hang out together. So, um, Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited that you've been so busy lately. If you love Luna, she will definitely be playing the Pokemon one-shot. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I've done a Pokemon uh, one-shot with bees once before that we never actually reached oh, the end. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, we couldn't because that was uh, he had to he had to can't pull that because uh, he got yeah legal action against him. Sadly, because Watsy's yeah. just thirsty bitches. Yeah, but you it know, was tragic. Yeah. Oh. So I decided to make my own system. So, so there you go. We can we can get that closure. All right. Well, thank you again. All right. And uh, we will round it out with Anna. Anna, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a whole lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm Anna, a.k.a. Archival Dust Bunny, most places on the internet, queer and trans advocate, museum worker, and TTRPG streamer. You can find me on Twitter at Archival Dust Bun. Uh, I stream a lot of places. Um, uh, the ones I'm going to mention tonight, though, Tuesday night, you can find me on Black Feather Guild, uh, playing our Champions of the Fae. Um, game. It's a 5e Feywild campaign using the Champions and Children of the Fae supplemental from the DMs Guild. Uh, I play a Selkie Sorcerer. Um, we have maybe two brain cells we share throughout the entire party of Fae creatures, um, but we're getting the job done, and I think that's what's important. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Sunday nights, every other Sunday, you can also find me on Guild of the Phoenix playing Cyberpunk Red. I play a medtech who, like every other medtech in... Uh, Cyberpunk Red is overworked and desperately trying to keep a party with the Death Wish alive. 
Um, coming up, you can also find me playing games on We the Tail TPK Roleplay with the TPK Roleplay Coven and uh, Slady's ATL uh, for an upcoming charity game next month. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on Response Team Omnicron, a Lancer actual play podcast playing through the No Room for Wallflower campaign setting, following a PR team who unexpectedly finds themselves on the front lines. Um, we center roleplay-focused characters and narrative-first combat, a really unique take on the Lancer mechanics while still maintaining the Lancer uh, mechanics. We pull a lot of themes from um, sci-fi and war movie genres, and we've been told that we often sound like a radio play uh, because of our roleplaying. So if any of that sounds interesting, definitely check us out. Uh, you can find us anywhere you normally get your podcasts and on Twitter at RTOmnicron. Um, and our website is not quite up yet. Um, and that's all I have. Best place to see where and when I stream is on Twitter. So give me a follow there. All right. Um, sounds like you have your hands full too. So definitely have to check some of that out. It sounds awesome. Um, and I am Gamer Mom Luna. This has been Tales from the Tavern. We are here just about every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern talking about TTRPGs and taking our questions from chat. If you missed any of tonight's episode and you would like to go back and see it, or if you just want to go back because something caught your ear and you want to revisit it, uh, the episode will be up on YouTube uh, probably about the middle of this week, and then uh, we will be available in podcast form, uh, ears edition as I like to call it, and um, that will be uh, available next Sunday, unless you listen on Spotify, and then you get video podcasts, so you can check out the video podcast there. And I think that's it. But like B said, I'll be streaming a Pokemon two shot, one shot. I don't know. Pokemon stuff. Um, I, I want it to be a one shot so badly, but I have spoken with various, various, uh, very enlightened and professional individuals that are like, no, this is too much for a one shot. It's going to be a two shot. And I was like, but, but <laughs> it's going to be a two shot. It's so, true. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to watch it, uh, you got to catch them all. <laughs> I mean, it just, it writes Perfect. itself. It writes That's itself. Great. <laughs> all it right. Is. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week. We will be back here again uh, next week. Yeah, we are here next week. I am taking a week off in February. I have to share this just because I think it's super exciting. Uh, for those of you who know me, I have a 14-year-old daughter, and we managed to score reservations at Gordon Ramsay's new restaurant down in Boston. <gasps> so yeah. we're doing that hey. in the middle of February. So I'm taking a night off so that we can go have a fancy dinner. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, that I will share the date as it gets closer. I hope you my neck have... of the woods. Yeah, it's only about an hour and a half from me. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That'll be really awesome. Yeah, we're really excited. We're we're big Gordon Ramsay fans. We're like, we don't even care if he's not there. We just want to say we went. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right, we are gonna uh, drop a raid on my friend uh, Fire Smythe. He is playing Pokemon Legends. Uh, so uh, go over there, drop him a follow, say hi, and uh, we will catch you all next Sunday night. Have a great evening, everybody. Bye. We love you. Bye. I should go.
Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Tales from the Tavern. You can catch this podcast recorded live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv forward slash GamermomLuna. All of our questions come directly from chat, so we never really know what to expect when we go live. If you ever have a question or would like to add something to the conversation, feel free to reach out on Twitter at GamermomLuna and use the hashtag TFTT. You may just get to hear it answered. Thanks so much.